let's get going. Every week, or every month rather, we do an Around the Blackboard called for this lovely blackboard that's behind us that contrasts very lovely with Brad's um, Captain Kirk sweater, yeah. as he calls it. So um, so glad that you can join us, Theology on Tap friends, uh, podcast listeners. Don't be afraid, by the way, to give us a nice review somewhere. That always helps. Apparently that's important for algorithmic purposes. Uh, but I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor at First Lutheran here in town. And let's just go down the line. Bradley awesome. Bardell. Yes, uh, I'm Bradley Barnell. I'm the canon for community life and young adult ministry at Christ Church Cathedral Varnell with an N, not Vardell. Yes. I apologize yes. for the misspelling in Facebook. Most, oh, great. Well, you know, oh, he says yeah. great. <laughs> Most people do a Varnell or a Garnell. It's the V that normally comes from. Gotcha, gotcha. Evan likes to be different. I like that. <laughs> trying. Uh, I'm Sarah Stone. I'm Outreach Director for Young Adults at MDPC on the West Side. That makes it sound cool. <laughs> I'm near you, but I'm definitely not there. As cool as I am, uh, I know. Meredith Mills, senior pastor of Westminster, creator of Gastro Church. And it's like check a legendary us out. table. Check us out, HoustonTOT.com. We have an event coming up February 7th, and it's one lesser, what is it called? Little Big Sins? Little Big Sins. Little Big Sins, okay. exploring the lesser vices. So we're right. talking about smoking, drinking, and tattoos. It's be so and much fun. Things. Man, we went from heresy to sin. And it's just like kind of a natural getting better and better. Let's do hell next. Okay. Well, if you get a tattoo, you're going to hell. I think that's going to be the takeaway from the night. <laughs> actually, I actually was telling someone who has a lot of tattoos about that next event. Yeah. And he said that years had gone by between his brother seeing him with the tattoos. And when his brother saw them with him, he said, you're going to hell. <gasps> yeah. Oh, it's a... It's I a real leap from something being sinful and you're going to hell. Yeah. I like, was rather shocked at that. Because I'm like, I don't even think in Leviticus it says something like that. If you know? Evan's so, shocked by it. I mean, like, you're yeah. just stoned. You're not going to hell. Just like, you're stoned. But when you die from the stoning, you go up. I mean, actually, and arguably, hell is not really a concept in the Old Testament. But, you know. That's we should totally other do hell for our next TLT. Okay. I'm, and yeah, we've lost we could call it Damn. <laughs> That's That'd cute. Uh-huh. And it'd be tied uh-huh. in because it'd be like cursing, which we will also be talking about this upcoming one. Damn but, it. T.O.T. Oh. takes on hell. <laughs> takes on. Like we're down there fighting off demons. <laughs> let's, okay. Let's talk about the great sin of our day, which is cultural appropriation. Yes. We all know. I thought it'd be fun to start today by just talking about some pop culture. We won't spend a ton of time on it, but for those of you that are watching, and just like that, which is the follow-up like 20 years later or something to Sex in the City. Okay, why didn't they just call it that? Because I was like, what is this in just like that crap? You know what? Can you not be such a hater? My, my, my hunch is, Evan, you're not the target demographic. <laughs> actually, this article would, would say that you actually are the target demographic, and that's the problem. Oh, very yeah. interesting. Okay. So, so in the most recent episode, which I did watch because I love some good trash TV, uh, the main character, Carrie Bradshaw, is with her friend who's Indian, and they're in this Indian fashion, like high-end fashion shop, searching for an outfit for her friend to wear to Diwali which is the uh, Indian festival of like light um, winning out over darkness. And so, and Carrie's had a rough year. And so she says how lovely that sounds. Her friend invites her and says, you should get an outfit. Of course, Carrie is a fashion icon. And so she is like lusting over these outfits in the shop. And she looks at her Indian friend and says, would that be okay? And I didn't even know what she meant. I thought she meant, am I inviting myself to the party? And the friend said, 
because I've invited you to my party to be my guest, it's not cultural appropriation, it's cultural appreciation. And so she wears this outfit. It turns out she actually wears a lehenga, not a sari. And they had said it was a sari shop. So some people were upset by that. And she also goes like really over the top. She wears this like mohawk of flowers and it's very extra. But that's her character. Her character is always being extra and pushing the envelope in fashion. But it got written up in all these articles as being uh, bad news bears because um, of this idea that the article that I chose from Vogue says, um, it isn't the sentiment that rubbed us the wrong way so much as the dialogue. Quote, it's not cultural appropriation, says Seema, that's the Indian character. It's cultural appreciation, end quote. Something about that phrasing doesn't sit right with us. And perhaps it's the fact that so often the characters of color on this show appear as tokens. That's what we were talking about beforehand. Later on, it says, a white woman wearing a lehenga to an Indian festival is not appropriation, but putting a Pollyanna-esque bow on it by calling it appreciation came off as a little bit cringe. And... and I, I guess my question is, what would make it not cringy? Um, because when I watched this episode, what I thought of is that I, for a while, was hanging out with and dialoguing and engaging with um, some Muslim friends, and I continued to go to their iftar dinners, which is breaking the fast during Ramadan. And after a couple of years of going to these dinners, they bought me one of the traditional outfits, uh, the tunic and pants with the sparkles all over. And I loved it. And it was beautiful. When they gave it to me, they were saying, you, you're invested in this community and we're invested in you. And so come and dress along with us for the celebration. And so I did. Um, and to me, this was the same thing. So I guess I just don't see what the problem is. And it almost makes it so scary to even talk about such things, because if this doesn't even work, then what does? Like, when is it not appropriation or cringy? Yeah. Well, so I'll give an example of a story. It happened a few years ago, but there was a couple of young ladies. They started a burrito stand in Portland, Oregon. Okay pretty liberal city. And they said, yeah, our tortillas are great because we went to Mexico and learned how to make them from like Mexican old women who make tortillas every yeah, day for the last 60 delicious. years, right? Well, no, that was cultural appropriation. They were Their business was destroyed. Like the left came after them and they had no business. Like once it came out that, hey, you can't go to Mexico and steal tortillas recipes from people. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, um, the name of their shop was Cooks, K-O-O-K-S. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, talk about kooky, you know? I mean, like, you try to learn how to make the best tortilla and you, you have your business destroyed? Uh, at some point, like, we need to be like, you know, it's not, like, everything is not evil, okay? It's not always cultural appropriation to, you know, enjoy another food. I think that... Or even celebrate another culture. I mean, I would agree. It sounds like it was very ham-fisted in this particular episode. Everything like, in the show. Okay. Is, so yeah. You know, but, I mean, I... I don't know. I just don't get all that upset about it. I, I, I actually wonder if, like, say, for example, in this case, Indian people would get <laughs> that upset about it either. I don't know. I think the author of this article is Indian. I yeah. don't. Is she not? Yeah. No, she's Indian. Yeah. I mean, so my my read of the article, mm -hmm. I think everything can be crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything can be taken to a crazy extent. Um, I do think there is a l cultural appropriation. There is a legitimate thing to be concerned about when it happens. My read of this article, though, was was less about what actually happened and more about 
the ham-fistedness of it. Uh, and, the, and to your point, Sarah, I think there's a difference between what happens personally and a script written for a show. Yeah. Right? Because what she said is, like, that dialogue doesn't even sound real. Like, who says that to their friend? Who says, like, it's not cultural appropriation, it's cultural appreciation. Yeah. Like, because I, like, it sounds like a billboard somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that goes to her thing. is like, this is, like, this is what tokenism is all about. It's not real dialogue. It's not real people. It's people spouting billboards. Yeah. And bumper stickers instead of actually talking to each other yeah and that's fair they're that's probably fair. fending off the mob i mean they probably are basically like okay we got to address the elephant in the room and well yeah. i was telling meredith before that the show has and we can get off of this and get on to something way more prescient but um but the show has introduced all these new characters they're all people of color or on the lgbt um part of the lgbt community or and and all a lot of the conversations they're having are about like big things in culture right now. And I was telling Meredith said something like, well, why, I don't know. Why do you think they're doing that or something? And I thought, because I think they think they can't not do it. If they're going to come back in 2022, I think they think to be like heard. Someone has to have a daughter who's transitioning because she's trans and someone has to be dealing with pronouns and someone has all these things have to be part of it because otherwise they won't be relevant. I think it's very fear-based, which is why they have conversations of selling billboards. (laughs) Um, I mean, but there's a way to do all of that without writing dialogue that sounds sure. like a bumper yeah. sticker. That's fair. I okay, mean, so we'll write our own show. I'll be Carrie. <laughs> Let me stop. All right. Who well, we can we can move on because do I have a place in the show? No, no, you're, you're the person everyone hates. Your target demographic. Uh, life. <laughs> to be fair. Cool. Yeah. Well, what's the what's the the next one is uh, so the next one's about yeah. an icon. Which I, I love icons. I um, but not like yeah. a fashion icon. Not a fashion icon, like a religious icon. I think they're great. And so there's this icon. There's an iconographer named Kelly Lattimore who um, is fairly popular. I think a lot of people in my circles really love his work. Who um, he he wrote an icon uh, called Mama that was hanging at the Catholic University really of America. Yeah. Oh, I have to speak directly into it. Uh, it was an icon called Mama that was at the Catholic University of America, and it was a, a depiction of the Virgin Mary cradling um, Christ. And both Mary and Christ in this um, in this icon are African-American. And Lattimore also said when, when prompted that this is also an icon of George Floyd. He's the one being cradled. Yes, yeah. that this is this this icon is simultaneously an icon of the Virgin Mary and Christ and the Virgin Mary and George Floyd. There's this kind of like blurring that's happening, and so uh, it created a bit of a backlash at the university. Um, some some folks like tipped off uh, Heritage Foundation about, it and they kind of broke the story on it. Uh, it was blessed by a priest uh, to be hung in their Mary. Um, Champion of Justice Chapel, uh, but it got stolen. I kind of want to get stolen, which is generally <laughs> generally a bad move to steal like blessed artwork from a chapel. Um, but part of the larger conversation is is past the theft and more like what is the proper relationship uh, between religious art and mm-hmm. contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, contemporary news stories what is what is the appropriate level of um portraying christ in different ways to mm-hmm. speak towards different events and that's really the conversation that has swirled around it that i think is is really interesting i wish we had a picture i know uh, maybe we can put it, yeah. a link and you can, google, you can google you can google more uh, mama and the image mm-hmm. will come up but um i mean i find it i found it to be 
a really striking image. Um, and Lattimore spoke, speaks a little bit about, you know, this is an icon of Christ, but insofar as Christ identifies with the oppressed and the mm-hmm. outcast, um, it is an icon of George Floyd, right? The, the Part of what inspired the writing of this icon was George Floyd's death and the ensuing protest. And, and so it's not, it's not a neat and clean, this is Christ or right. this is George Floyd. Rather, it's meant to evoke both, yeah. uh, which I think is really powerful. It says something about Christ's identification, um, Christ's identification with, with sinners and with sufferers. Um, so I, I, Well, in the article that you brought us, it makes a comparison. The writer talks about St. Francis Mm -hmm. and how St. Francis really abhorred lepers. But then there's this moment where Mm -hmm. he's riding along and he sees a leper and he just feels drawn and hugs the leper and then turns back around and the leper's not there. Turns out it was Christ. And it's like the story in the Bible when Christ mm-hmm. says, you know, when you do these things for the least of these, you're doing it for me. Yeah. And and that was convicting for me because my first, like, when I read the title, like the first paragraph was like, oh, we're deifying George Floyd. Um, and so at first I was like, this is terrible. And then I was like, well, but there is this idea that um, Christ says when you are, when you're kind to the least of these, you're kind to me. So I, I have mixed thoughts on this, but I can hear you. Well, so it's it's similar. To, Mother Teresa did a thing too, where she said, "This is Jesus." Of every person mm-hmm. who was dying in her in her um, hospitals and orphanages, like it's always take extra care of this person because this is Jesus. And and so there is this um, this idea that in when we look that the passion was one time, and yet the passion is reflected in every time we see human suffer. Like Christ is with the sufferer. Christ exists with the sufferer in a, in a particularly powerful way, um, and so especially suffering that is perpetuated by um, by human hands. Like I think in the article he said this person was lynched, mm-hmm. right? So you think about this image of the the lynched body like I, theologically we say like christ was was with those people in a in a particularly powerful way and then that and this experience in some way like in some way the passion was something that happened once and in some way the passion is something that also is reflected in every experience of human suffering and i think what he was trying to what the what the artist um iconographer was trying to do was to say that in a powerful way for for us today i think like everything is political, right? So everything is political and, and because our politics is a greater worldview for us than um, our faith in many times people see this and they see it as a statement in favor of a particular political point of view, instead of seeing it as a declaration that all humans and especially all Christians should consider what it means like to experience to what am i trying to say not ex, not experience christ through this like love the sufferer because the sufferer is reflecting christ that's not quite it but something about like seeing the sacredness of christ's presence within the experience of those who are suffering something along that um which should be something that we can we can do that crosses political lines I think- yeah what were you going to say? Well, I think I think the let's talk about the Saint Francis 
you know, uh, analogy though. Um, I think the question is then in this, in this example are sort of Christ and the leper and George Floyd on equal footing. Um, the leper is a victim of circumstance. Christ mm -hmm. was the savior of the world. George Floyd was neither. Um, now, did he deserve to die in the way that he did? No. No. Okay. No one is arguing that. But there are certain facts that I don't think it's political to point out that make him very different from a leper mm. um, or Christ, certainly from Christ, as we all are. Um, but uh, and I'm just going to be politically incorrect and I might make you all mad. But that's um, why we invited you. Okay. But he refused to go into a police car. Okay. He absolutely refused and fought off three police officers to go into an air conditioned police car. Um, he had three times the amount of, you know, fentanyl you know, lethal to, to, to a person in his system. He was drug addled and he had committed a very serious crime. Um, and that, that wasn't the first time. Does, am I justifying his death? Of course not. And I hate, I hate that I even have to keep saying that because if we're going to have an adult conversation. We need to assess things on, on the face of them. Um, so I'm not justifying. I'm not, I'm not saying Derek Chauvin's a great guy and what he did was fine. <laughs> what I'm saying though, is if you're going to make, if you're going to write that icon, thank you for saying writing, by the way, not painting. If you're going to write that icon and you're going to put that face in the place of Christ, it, 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 and, and that's the kind of a, that's the kind of what we're going to end up saying is that, well, yes, but when we serve the least of these, we're serving Christ. Then I can imagine why some deeply religious people would be offended that you're placing that face in the place of Christ because George Floyd is not above reproach. Um, and I think a leper is closer to that reality. Now we could say, well, situation around George Floyd's life kind of led him to this and da 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 da. And that's fine. Maybe the question is, should anybody, be in that place. Well, I, mean, I would say no. The Virgin Mary holding what's very clearly like her son. Mm -hmm. I none of us are none of us are about to reproach though. Right, that's my point. But right. I think it also matters though that like the saint, you know, when you visit the prisoners, you visit Christ, right? That's yeah. also in this verse of Matthew. And there's no caveat for like, oh, these are all, these are prisoners who are unjustly in prison. Oh, true. It's, mm -hmm. they're, they're prisoners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just I, I'm just warning you everything's gonna be um, lost unless you Yeah. yeah just unless you it's, okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is good. So um, no, that you know, when you visit the prisoners, you visit Christ, and there's no caveat about why they're in prison. Um, hmm. And I think you know, even if all this is true, that George Floyd had a criminal background, or um, yeah, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I think I think one thing people need need to be invited to do is to see in the midst of criminals those who struggle with addiction that Christ is also there. Mm -hmm. And I think hmm. I, I think that can be an invitation that Christ isn't kind of like, you know, I'm I'm with the I'm with the appropriate mm -hmm. safe victim. Innocent, I'm yeah. with the safe prisoner. Sure. I'm with, you know, that that no, there is there is this absolute identification with those who are oppressed and in prison. And I think that is the invitation for us is to realize that there are plenty of people who seeing Christ on the cross, I think would have had a very similar reaction. Like, well, he was found guilty. Yeah. Well, you know, you yeah. mean he just followed the rules, you mm -hmm. know? And I think, I think, I don't know. I think that's the invitation for this icon that, you know, maybe we need to stop imagining that we would witness the cross or witness Christ on the cross and have like, you know, we would react differently than the disciples. We'd mm. still be there. Yeah, and I'd, instead I'd, of I would, yeah, I would have been a Christ yeah. killer. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm a rule follower, and he was breaking the rules. I I get that. Have yeah. you ever seen the movie Dead Man Walking? No. Yes. Okay. So, what was the role of Christ with that prisoner? I mean, not to give away the whole thing, but you know, there's this whole thing of where he's declaring his innocence, mm -hmm. and this this mm -hmm. nun in Angola prison is helping him, and she's fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting for to prove that he's innocent. 
I'm going to have to give it away. But he's not. But he's not. And yeah. so then what is the fight? The fight is to call on him to repent so that mm-hmm. he doesn't die forever for the lie that he committed and the crime, the murder or whatever mm-hmm. that he committed. So it's like, well, yes, Christ is there in the prison too. But, you know, like in what in, in what role? You know, like, mm-hmm. is he offering forgiveness for the repentant sinner or is he offering or is or is the call to repent and trust in Christ? If you're a hardened, if you're a hardened rebel against God and you haven't given up the fight yet. Well, I mean, sure. But most of this is going out to people who are not in prison. Right. So like the call. And also we all need to pr- repent. Right. So like of how course. many of us are approached like all of us. But I, I, I think the it is far easier to be derisive and judgmental of other people's crimes and other people's sins. And I think part of what this icon would be doing would be calling the attention of those who could easily walk away because they have different sins and they they have different struggles. I hear what you're saying, which is that there's a temptation to ignore evil, right? There's a temptation to ignore. Well, I think, I think there's a temptation to, he was a person caught up at a cultural moment. I mean, right, right, and you know, and there are a lot I'm of other saying, stories that have not been told. Yeah, but, I'm right. not saying he wasn't a victim. I'm not saying that the sentence that Chauvin got was wrong, and, and all of that. But by the way, Derek Chauvin was charged. Yeah, he is going to probably spend the rest of his life in prison. So it's not as though it were a complete injustice, right? In the sense yeah. that, say, Rodney King or some of these other examples yeah. where right. police sort of get away with it or whatever, but. Um, I, I just think you're, if, if one makes this intentional choice, Mm -hmm. okay, of identifying Christ with all people on the down and out, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, that's, I, I think there's a noble sentiment there. Mm -hmm. I don't totally disagree with it. I think the St. Francis leper analogy is a better one. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think the leper is a victim of, of sort of the fallenness of sin. Um, but if you're going to make that choice with a controversial figure, then she had to know that there was going to be backlash and that you would offend the sensibilities of some people who don't want Christ identified with people who may or may not have been, you know, seeking whatever, uh, to live a good life or whatever. Okay. And I, I, don't think, I don't think he was shocked, though. I don't think he was shocked at it. Oh, I'm sorry, the artist is a, it's a she. Yeah, Kelly, or Kelly he. he. Oh, I'm sorry, apologies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was shocked. I mean, I think, I think, he, I think he kind of knew... Yeah. This this is going to produce a reaction. Yeah. That it's was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. The yeah. real question is, if you steal art that's been blessed, is it you go to hell. Your you go to hell. So you get like it definitely is Instant hell. Contraindicated, I feel like, either way. Yeah. <laughs> Satanists steal blessed uh, host oh, really? for, yeah. for black masses. That's really <gasps> You didn't know that? That's no. part of a black no, mass. A black mass is the opposite How of a mass. How do you know things like that? Who knows that? Who knows I mean, that? Yeah. There was That's one, common knowledge. Like right after I moved to Houston, oh, there was there was some bar in town that was hosting a black mass. Oh. Yeah. When I hear black mass, I think it's going to be African American. No. You're saying like the dark arts? No, I'm talking about Satan. Satan, oh gosh. No. No, no, that's actually quite serious because the Roman Catholic Church, they lock up. Yeah, they have a tabernacle for that yeah. reason. That's what the tabernacle. And the, yeah. I mean, there's multiple reasons for a tabernacle, but one is to to put in extra, if you will, a blessed uh, communion host, um, so that people can go and de- and have devotion. So, like the red candle that's in most tr- Protestant churches, the candle of presence, that is a Roman Catholic thing mm-hmm. to let people know that there is blessed bread in the tabernacle. Right. So, if you want to go be in the presence of Christ, because Christ is 
the bread. The mm-hmm. bread is Christ, the body of Christ. Christ so then you are in the presence of Christ, and the, and the candle is an indication. Then Protestants take oh, that, and, and they're like, oh, well, God is everywhere. So yeah. if it's a sanctuary, so let's just have the candle lit all the time, you know. And by the way, there's some real technology of those candles lasting as long as they do. I'm like, dude, that thing, is that a thing ever burn out? Anyway. We didn't we didn't get that memo. We do not have <laughs> We didn't get any of these memos. I don't know. Black masses. Do y'all, do y'all have the, uh, do y'all have do y'all have the red candle? Yeah. The candle of presence. No. Candle. You don't have that? Mm-hmm. We, we also it. serve high church on this end. We also serve burning, yeah, We also crazy. serve Hawaiian bread and Welch's grape juice. So <gasps> You serve grape juice? Yeah. So Welch was Methodist. Sugar I know. I hope you Welch have a, was I hope Methodist. You have a keto is, <laughs> no, we've actually that was actually you have sorry, to know. That's gonna take us version. off on a tangent. Yeah, but that was a thing. People wanted to gluten free, but then they want separate gluten free, and I was like, y'all, one bread, one body. I'm not going that far. So then we had to have gluten free for everyone, and y'all, gluten free sucks. <laughs> you heard it here first, the all but, but, but it is bad. it is interesting, I think, that priests do have to protect like the host because yeah. people will steal them and mm-hmm. use them for that might even be why in some practices they put it on the tongue you know they'll so no one can come swipe it right before you're about to take I mean, it, it makes, I don't know, it I don't know if this was a black mass related thing but I, I did the Camino last year and so we were at this cathedral in Santiago and they were doing communion at the where did you theater. start from in uh, Pamplona. Nice. Wait, this is a, the walk? Camino de Santiago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So we were in there, and, and you know, they were doing mass and all that, and they, they gave very strict instructions when you go for, for communion. You receive the bread, and you had to consume it in front of the priest. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting watching it because people would take it and go off, and like the priest would just stare at them. Mm. And like, like lock dagger eyes. It was fascinating. Huh. I don't know if they have a big. I, I, I bet. I bet. I bet you there's a connection there. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. To know any of this. Who wants to talk about vaccines? Me. That's my awesome segue. Um, this was in the Washington Post opinion piece from December 30th, so a few weeks now. Most evangelical objections to vaccines have nothing to do with Christianity. So. There, the, okay, obviously there's a vaccine out there. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. It's the COVID vaccine, and it's a kind of a new mRNA technology. In some respects, it's new. In some respects, it's been around for you know a few decades, maybe. But um, and obviously, you have a lot of people who don't, for whatever reason, don't want to take the vaccine, and so they're finding themselves trying to give reasons for not wanting to take the vaccine. And the the issue for someone who's like a committed Christian who doesn't want to take the vaccine is that it, it, it is a little bit, you have to kind of build a case for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of have to say, well, there's a kind of theology of the body or there's like, you know, you know, body's a temple and it's experimental technology and, you know, um, you know, maybe the aborted fetal cell lines, you know, people kind of go that route. You know, people try to go these different routes. But the, the fact is like, it's hard to just say, here's this one Bible verse that absolutely sure. says I cannot take this vaccine. <laughs> And um, and so Christians are kind of coming up with kind of a variety of different arguments. And so this argument, uh, this this opinion in the Washington Post, written by Michael Gerson, is that well they don't have anything to do with Christianity. And so let me just read a little bit of it. Um, yeah. As the United States ends the year with the highest levels of new infections in the COVID pandemic, the historical question naturally arises: Were a hefty portion of Americans entirely out of their senses? <laughs> Some of the rapid spread has come from breakthrough infections. Actually, a lot of it has, and that kind of is the point. But anyway, um, caused by insidiously transmissible Omicron variant. But after a ghastly year of rumor, alarm, and needless death, nothing is going to erase the harsh verdict against Americans in 2021. They were granted a miracle drug, and tens of millions refused to take it or take enough of it. Um, So what, what are some of the reasons they give? Well, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
um, in the New Testament. The golden rule is the moral culmination of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's clear from the text that Jesus is not encouraging calculating ethic of reciprocity. His goal is to inspire kind of aggressive, preemptive generosity, right? If anyone would sue you, then take your tunic and uh, give them your cloak as well. Um, and he, he goes on to offer a few difference. Uh, white evangelical Christians have resisted getting the vaccine at a is higher rate. Is that even rate. true? Because I... I'll like, assume it's true, but I don't okay, know. Okay, go ahead. Keep yeah. going. Um, and so he talks about the aborted cell, cell line. He says, well, actually, this, this you know, a, a lot of things came from those old fetal cell mm-hmm. lines, and that's probably not a good argument, and so on and so forth. Um and so that 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 would I would say that's probably agree not a not a very good argument. Um, more than that, the sanctification of anti-government populism is displacing or dethroning one of the most basic Christian distinctions. Most evangelical posturing on COVID mandates is really syncretism, a merging of unrelated beliefs. In this case, the substitution of libertarianism for Christian ethics. Um, well, I, I just disagree with that, and I, you know, but but I but I also disagree with the with the the mantra that was a, it's a, kind of about two weeks old, and frankly, the narrative is changing right before our very eyes. But the mantra that well, here comes Omicron, it's because people are getting vaccinated. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. uh, that's just not true. Um, people who are vaccinated are also getting coronavirus, and um, and and you you now start to hear like Fauci said the other day, oh, there's a lot of kids in the hospital with COVID, but not from COVID. Oh, yeah. that's an interesting distinction. Would have been helpful to make that two years ago. And uh, Rachel Walensky said just this weekend, I think yesterday, yes. that oh, you know, 75 percent of people who died from COVID had four comorbidities. Mm-hmm. That's interesting information. You told me 800,000 people died from COVID. Would have been nice to know. Those distinctions matter, and that's what people have been saying. That's what Christians have been saying, and they have been saying. Um, I don't want to take this technique. I don't want to take this particular vaccine. I don't want to put it in my body. It's different from traditional vaccines. In fact, it's not a vaccine, arguably. Um, And so I think I have the right to bodily autonomy and I have the right to say no to what I put in my body. I mean, isn't that a very fundamental right? And so what, what has happened, though, is that what what uh, these particular American citizens are told is every excuse you give is not good enough. So then they retreat to the last bastion of, of basically the First Amendment. Like they they're they're going to like Nuremberg codes, right? They're they're like <laughs> they're like I've got nothing left. I'm I'm just please respect my conscience. Yeah. Like you don't like my scientific arguments, even though they're obviously quite good, which is what they're now admitting. Um, you don't like my you don't like you don't like any of the reasons I'm giving it. So I, just please listen to my conscience. That's all Christians have left in many of these cases. See, I actually. I actually agree with the title of this article in so much as so it says that the objections have nothing to do with Christianity. I think so many Christians have been forced into this religious exemption because it's like, hey, I just don't want to. And I have various reasons. In fact, I don't know about you guys. I actually got asked to write a letter for religious exemption and it had nothing in it about like Bible verses or anything like that. It was like I... This person is, you know, actively involved in their faith and they're really seeking to do the right thing. And they this is a matter of conscience. And so it's almost like it's just a thing we're grabbing. If I were going to do I I'm vaccinated, but if I wasn't going to and I think people should have the right not to, I might grab on that, too, even though it's not really religious. I mean, and by the way, the golden rule thing that he says here is just a straw man. He says he says, um, So he's talking about the grab bag of religious exemptions, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes, the default ethical stance of Christianity is the golden rule. 
So I'm like, I don't, if you were to ask the four of us, what do you think like the baseline idea of Christianity is? You might get slightly different versions, but they're all going to involve Jesus. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be, it's basically the golden rule. That's not the sort of, anyway, but mm-hmm. it's fine. The whole thing is full of straw men. And I, it bothers me that people are having to claim religious exemptions when they should be able to say, even if it's crazy sauce. And I don't think it is, but even if it is, I have a right not. I have a right not to. And we did that with every other vaccine. Like kids can go to public school that aren't aren't vaccinated. And by the way, there's going to be a whole lot more of them in the coming years. There's going to be a whole lot more people saying, you know what? I'm going to rethink that whole measles vaccine. I'm going to be rethinking, and that's. Scary. You know, for those pushing the COVID vaccine, okay, mm-hmm. like they're actually damaging the credibility of all vaccines when mm. they push it this hard. But so why is it that what is so different about this vaccine? And so then you look at like, you know, what Australia is doing and what Austria is doing mm-hmm. and what Germany is doing. It's like, gosh, this is starting to feel like just a tool that you can use to to decline my ability to fully participate in science. I'm starting to feel othered. I'm starting to feel um, discriminated against. I'm starting to feel ostracized because I don't have this magical shot that I don't need because COVID is of no danger to me yeah. because 75% of the people who died had four comorbidities. So it's like, are we, are we, can we be reasonable about this? Well, I, I think so. I, I, so it's like on the one hand, you're right. Most evangelicals can't directly appeal to Christianity. They have yeah. to appeal to broader principality or principles of, you know, bodily autonomy and, and a right of conscience um, and prudence that I argued this one around the blackboard like six months ago. I said, I think Christians can refuse the vaccine on just on the grounds of prudence. We don't know. We don't know long-term effects of this. You can't know, you know, um, and I'll be highly critical of, of President Trump on this. Do you, do you know why it takes five years to develop a drug? It isn't because the chemicals take that long to figure out. It's because it takes that long to test it. Mm-hmm. So Operation Warp Speed, which might have been, I don't know, like, might have, in some way is defensible, but someone like me would say, dude, you know, you, you short, tra- you short tracked an important process. We have no idea how people, for example, with, uh, organ, uh, replacements, like, like my, my mother-in-law, she, she's on anti-rejection medication because she mm-hmm. has a kidney, you know, did, did they do a bunch of tests on people with, you know, on those particular drugs? Of course not. We have no clue how the vaccine interacts with virtually any other drugs because they've done no testing on it. And even the testing they have done is now now that when people are starting to look in the like the footnotes of the Pfizer, it's starting to look pretty shady. Ninety five percent. Uh. What do you guys think about all this? Sorry. Talk too much. <laughs> I think I mean, I think um, I agree with the title for sure. I think most of the objections people give for religious reasons are just like pulled out of thin air. And I think using religious reasons, I'm going to learn to speak into this one day. Tim, you're a rapper. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, I, I think uh, I think most of the reasons I have heard people give for religious exemptions are just ridiculous. And I agree mm-hmm. with him that, that, that this kind of identification of a kind of libertarianism with Christian ethics, I do think has taken root in a lot of Christianity. I think you see it in progressive ways. I think you see it in very conservative ways. Hmm. Um, but it does seem that the the Christian argument or the argument made by Christians of like, I don't want it, my right. I, I don't know that I can totally get on board that that is a Christian way of thinking about the vaccine beyond questions of, of should you be forced to get it, should you not? But like, I don't know that that is the correct posture 
for Christians to have of, I don't want it, doesn't work for me, bye y'all. Because so much of the arguments being made around why vaccination is important isn't because all of us are going to drop dead if we get COVID, but it's because I'm a relatively healthy person. I can get COVID and probably survive. But mm-hmm. I also work in a church with a lot of people who are older, who are yeah. immunocompromised. Me getting the vaccine can reduce my chance of infecting people who are at risk. And I, that is the argument I want people mm-hmm. to engage with. So, right. but if, what is but our if, duty towards? Right. Okay, how do and and there's there's limits, right? Because you can say, well, don't drive at all, because you could put yourself. Mm. Through, I mean, I, I think mm. I think we have to have a conversation about risk reduction, not elimination yeah. of COVID, not yeah. avoidance of sickness at all. But it seems like that is a place for Christians to start with. What what do I owe my neighbor? Sure. What does it mean to love? And and I'm not sure starting with I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I'm autonomous. No, I agree. Is a is is. So then, I would, so then I would say, does the vaccine prevent one from getting it and spreading it? And if the answer to that is no, then I think that's a harder argument to make, like but for it, the benefit of my neighbor. But it does. But it, but it greatly reduces your chance of getting it and being hospitalized seriously. Against the Delta variant, it was very successful in preventing um, infection. There's always breakthrough infections with vaccines. That's mm-hmm. not new. And part of the problem is that we've had we have not had equitable distribution of vaccines. So you get Omicron variants like in South Africa because Western very wealthy nations have often been hoarding tons of vaccine doses. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's it's not that you know the rest of the world is just awash in vaccinations. And yet these these variants are popping up. Questions of vaccine availability also affect that. Hmm. So I don't no, think it's quite as, that, I don't think it's quite as simple as like, oh my gosh, look at this, like, look at what they're getting. Yeah. That right now we're getting all these variants despite widespread vaccination. Yeah. Like So I had COVID and I'm not vaccinated, mm-hmm. right? So I have natural immunity. Mm-hmm. So that that should help someone, right? Yeah, it should. But it won't help you get into the Smithsonian in D.C. Right. My sister that lives up there was saying they're requiring people to show proof of vaccination, even children, yeah. to go into the museum. So here's what's interesting. what what Natural immunity for every other disease in the history of man was considered a gold standard, right? Yeah. Um, um, and, and so, and that was, and, and, and we never would have thought about vaccinating people who had natural immunity. Why doesn't, why don't people like Fauci it's, and, it's why don't they talk about it? Because it's a different virus. So other countries do take it into consideration, but it, it increases the complication because, because it's a coronavirus, you're not immune forever, right? It's like you get the cold every year, you can get the flu every year. Exactly. I've gotten COVID twice. Yeah. Um, I might've gotten it more, except for I didn't know. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm protected. It's a long time ago. Um, it was a while ago. Um, and one of them might have actually been a false positive, but I had to quarantine anyway. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing about the natural infected infection is it increases so much of the messaging. It just they're they're going for simple, and it's mm-hmm. easier to say put a shot in your arm than to try to do the math of how long has it been since you had it. How, how was it a real or was it a false positive? Like all this other stuff. Um, and really, like you're probably like probably by the time this is all over, we're gonna all get it or get vaccinated multiple times, and it's gonna be something that you get every couple of years, like like like, the flu. like, like yeah. you get the flu. Yeah. Um, I I will say for my so I've been kind of saving my response until the end because my my response actually goes really well with with the next article we're talking about. This was a terrible article, right? Like, yeah. So whatever you think about this topic, it was a terrible article. Um, it was a person who obviously doesn't know Christianity very well. Yeah. 
And more to the point, it's a person who has never seriously engaged with any of the arguments on the other side. So what he's done is he's read a headline or he's probably scrolled down his parents' Facebook page or (laughs) he's done something like Googled something and seen a headline. He's been like, I know what's wrong with that. And he's gone and written... Or like, or he's listened to Fox News for five minutes, or right, he's right. done something like that. It's ca- caricature. He's because not even Fox News. They're super pro-vaccine. Be- okay. Um, <laughs> because he has never actually engaged with the other side, he has no idea what their arguments are. Mm-hmm. And so he's written this because. So and so here's a pro tip for you: if your belief of the other argument is that I'm selfish, I'm evil, or I'm lazy, and that's why I want to do this, chances are you're wrong, yeah. right? Nobody out there is actually arguing that. And the thing is, I hear that in both the right and the left. Yeah. Like, this is why they want to do that. And it comes down to you're stupid, you're selfish, you're lazy. Um, so just don't be those things and you'll be like me. And the problem, the fact that this is in the Washington Post means that everyone does it. Yeah. That's means true. that nobody actually deeply. I actually f- read a fantastic article that was put out. That was, it was like a six-part article, really engaging the anti-vaccine, and it was from a pro-vaccine standpoint. Um, but it was fa- first of all, it took like thirty-five minutes to read. It was really long, <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, and I was like. And, and it got all this flack because it was giving air to misinformation. And I was like, or engaging with the questions that people have, mm. right? And the more that we don't actually engage with what people are saying, the more we're going to put out stuff like this, which is going to make your side feel more holy. Yeah. yeah. That's what it does. Like people who agree with this guy are going to think he's great. Yeah. Yeah. And people who don't. And they're going to think that the crux of Christianity and, is. And, and by the way, evangelical the is probably a proxy for Trump voter. Yeah, probably. I think so. In the, in the Washington Post. I think so. Yeah. And by the way, Sotomayor said some totally fallacious things. I know. Total total misinformation. I don't know if she's been kicked off the Supreme Court yet or what. Stop. She hasn't been kicked off. But she did. Michelle Walensky, is that the name? Yeah. Uh, Michelle Walensky. Came back and was like, that's yeah. not correct. Well, anyway. but, but also, the, this is just a fact. I mean, if you scroll through someone who's been canceled on Twitter, I mean, today's misinformation is tomorrow's fact. Okay? Oh, no, or, or absolutely. To, to, today's conspiracy theory in three months is proven to be Although true. not all so of them. Not all no, of no, them. Not all of it. Not all of it. But but a lot of The Jewish space lasers are still <laughs> not proven. Not proven. Jury's the, out on that one. The Rockefeller's absolute control over all things. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. But would we all at least agree that because we have different stances on the vaccine across the table, but um, that there should be freedom to choose? We agree about that. Choose to get it or not get it. So I would aside from the religious thing. Like in this particular case, I would I would agree with that. But I'm not even sure that I would I would agree that every vaccine ever should be voluntary. Right? I I can see. A situation in which the survival of humanity depends upon everyone getting. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to that because I don't know if like if you don't have the polio vaccine, but I do, you're not if if I'm not going to get it, then I'm like every man for himself. Mm -hmm. And don't be stupid. By the way, the, the vaccine is not FDA approved. Okay, that vaccine is not available to us, Comirnaty. That that vaccine is not available. So it is still emergency use authorization. That is a direct violation of the Nuremberg Code to put experimental hmm. medicine in your body. It is it is as say Dr. Malone, for example, said on Joe Rogan's show, explicitly illegal. It so, is explicitly illegal. Okay, so Evan, my question for you is: Your problem this vaccine 
or hypothetically, if there were a vaccine with a 90% mortality rate, a vaccine with a uh, 90 Sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> that was wrong. Don't take that, listeners. Don't take that. Gentle one. reader. If there were a, a sickness with a 90% mortality rate, would you agree with that being mandatory? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think so. Because you still so. got a 10% yeah. chance of survival. I think so. I mean, I, I agree it's, there's some ethical, you know, there's some ethical things to figure out in it. And in ethics, it's not always a clear black yeah. and white answer. But what um what i will say is that i find it interesting that people who used to be really critical of pro, you know big pharma who are making trillions of dollars off of this a huge exchange of wealth and this whole thing i mean talk mm-hmm. about the rich getting richer yeah. i mean um and by the way no liability no mm-hmm. liability they're in no danger yeah. of anything i mean yeah. don't you think that the pharmaceutical companies should be responsible if they're creating a product that hasn't been properly tested that's been fast tracked and and for what again i i think that if the data comes out in this in in the act i mean for example italy reframed the number of people who died from covid mm-hmm. It's about five to ten percent of what their death number was before. Okay, mm-hmm. so because they said, okay, these are people that probably were going to die quickly anyway, and COVID finished it off. That's what we used to say about pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm highly skeptical. So it's hard to say about a, another super deadly uh, disease or whatever because the fact is, it, this disease I don't know that it's particularly. Um, uh, um, deadly. Well, that and, was her point. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I'm highly skeptical of the entire project. And jump in if you want. So, yeah. To get your I just. I mean, I, I, I think it's misleading to say like it was driven through. Like, all due respect. Mm-hmm. Like, why should I trust your read of like the scientific mm-hmm. process, the FDA, and so yeah. for, like versus the apparatus? Yeah. Right. And I think it can be critical. Oh, you shouldn't trust it. me. You but should. I, I think. Yeah. I think the idea that like I think just like dropping that in there. Is misleading and not helpful mm-hmm. because I think you can rightly criticize very much how this has been marketed and branded uh, in a way that has completely ignored just the fact that people are afraid. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, wait, why does why did this take so? I mean, I think there are rational answers to it mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of it has to do with funding and how we fund research in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you can give voice to people's real fears and concerns. You can also talk about how it is kind of silly that we're, we were mandating children show proof of vaccination to get into the Smithsonian or there have been churches who institute these vaccines mm-hmm. or which, I mean, I think, I think those are real questions around like, okay, y'all, are we, are we getting out of step? I think you can acknowledge the ways it's gone off kilter and also respect that like, this isn't, this isn't like a, a cover up or something mm. that's, that's been like know, the thing rammed through. Yeah. yeah. Like I think that, and I, yeah. there, there are a lot of experimental treatments and drugs out there that yeah. the FDA does approve, right? There yeah. are tons of experimental treatments for cancers yeah, or all for sorts sure. of things. And I, I mean, and, and I think in many cases, if kind of, it's kind of one of those things like if you're going to die anyway, give me the, give me the, give me the experimental yeah. stuff. But, I mean, by definition, you can't have had long-term studies on a drug that's only been around for two years. By definition, sure. so that's why I'm saying that's that's I'm not I'm not saying it's nefarious. I'm saying, as a matter of fact, we don't know what the long-term effects of this might be. We actually don't know whether or not being vaccinated could make you more susceptible to future strains of COVID later, which seems to be happening with Omicron. But there's also a basic question of the vaccines induce a biological response, right? Right. So mm-hmm. I think I think the question you have to answer is okay. Well, if they're just triggering my body to respond like my body should respond, mm-hmm. what is your concern? Well, it does that. Like by, it's not by, a separate pill that's like do like altering brain chemistry or something. Well, it creates 
thousands or trillions of spike protein in your body. And in fact, the spike protein is the part of COVID that's actually really harmful. And so harmful because it will get into that's how it gets into your cells and infects you. Yeah. Causes but clotting. If, if if the spike protein is not connected to the virus, what is it mm-hmm. infecting you with? I, I don't know that I can answer that question. Um, but but I would say that you can get a doctor on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But but doesn't there? Uh, it seems seems to me that there are lots of examples of um, a blood clotting stroke. I mean, if you look, for example, at all cause mortality, which mm-hmm. is the most important number, that number's up everywhere. There's a heavy vaccination project, hmm. and it's not COVID, COVID. vaccination project. Mm-hmm. Vaccination. No vaccine. No COVID in the last year. Yeah. If you look year over year, like I, I mean, y'all probably don't read Alex Berenson's Substack. I do, uh, and Dr. Malone's and, and Steve Kirsch's. But, you know, every single day there's a new study that says, gosh, you know, like in, in Germany, there's 20% higher overall death rate this year than last year. And it's not from COVID. Isn't that weird? I will say what, what, my what, autoimmune thing spiked right after I got the vaccine. It sucked. I'm still here, though. So, but I do think we should probably move on to the next article because we're never going to agree on that. But it was an interesting conversation. Meredith, you want to tell us about the next one? All right, it's time for a war. That's time for war. Um, so mine was from NPR, and and actually it was it was a sort of it was a it was a fair article. I was interested to see what they were going to say. Um, imagine another civil war, but this time in every state. Um, and what was so what this article was saying um, was that this has been super trendy now, saying like, "Ooh, it's time for another American civil war," and it's happening on both sides, and it's happening mm-hmm. saying. We're like we're at the very last stage before we result re- resort to other measures, um, and so they have quotes from like both sides saying that like we're already in a cold civil war. We're about to go for a real civil war. I didn't realize it was um, that bad yet. And then, well, and then escalating it above even like here are the number of guns that American citizens own. Like get ready to defend yourself. And and so it, to the. Um, to the article's defense, it doesn't put the blame either on one side or the other, which is what both sides do. Both sides are yeah. like, we're just defending ourselves against like the the other side. The other crazies, um, yeah. Part of what, part of the reason I picked this article is that I, so I spent a whole lot of time trying to listen to lots of different voices. I used to say the other side, but now I've just gotten confused about which side I'm on. <laughs> so like, I spent a whole lot of time trying to listen to a whole lot of different voices. And so because of that, I hear what I feel are the best sides of the argument on on multiple mm-hmm. sides. Um, the difficulty is both sides are, because of the internet age, both sides, or every side, because there are so many sides, are so anxious to keep people's attention that they think the only way they can do it is to turn up the temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, and because if you create emergency, then you have the temperature, then you have their attention. Um, and, and then you can't let the emergency go because you lose their attention. And what this article is saying is fundamentally, maybe there's a cost to that mm-hmm. because if you speak it, it might come true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you keep, you keep calling for civil war, like mm, crazy crap might happen. And and the thing is fun. And, and what it says is like, it wouldn't be a civil war like the North and the South, because that's not where our divisions are. Our divisions right. are between our households. Our divisions are like, mm. it's literally would be like Houston versus Nacogdoches, right? Like it's, it's but not Houston versus Houston. I mean, in this room, yeah. we disagree on things. You know? Yeah, but I, yeah, but, it, but like yeah. geographically urban, rural, sure, sure, sure. it's, it's within the body of the United States itself. Like, sure, you could have some like states going one way or the other, but 
even within California, like the valley versus the cities, like those are very, very different. Even within Virginia, my parent, my sister lives in Virginia and you've got the DC area of Virginia right. and then you've got like Virginia, 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 Virginia. Yeah. and they don't vote the same no. and they don't believe the same. And, and the, the thing is, I feel, <laughs> so if there is a civil war, it's going to be like this messy where are the lines? Where are the lines? There are no Do lines. Do I have to be a farmer in this? There scenario? are no oh lines. But the thing is, like, if the only response is we have to win, then we're never going to win. Right. Like, if that's and, and both our, sides talk about saving the country, saving yeah, yeah. democracy. Yeah. So that's, that is that's, rampant. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. rampant. In fact, if you pull out quotes and you erase the name, like you, you can't tell who's who. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of language and that kind of refusal, like the other article, refusal to actually engage with the arguments of the other side. Like, so it might not provoke a civil war because none of us can figure out how to do it. <laughs> Just the logistics were too but hard, guys. Like, but it's going to drive us to, it's going to drive us to not only greater division, but probably greater actual violence. Yeah. Hatred. That breaks out. Yeah. Um, which is honestly, which is, I, I picked this one partly because I, this is like a personal thing of mine as I spend a whole lot of time listening to very different sides. Um, but I also kind of feel like this is what, theology on top of trying to do for like the church version of this. Mm-hmm. Luckily church people are less vocal about wanting to kill each other. <laughs> like it that's fair. doesn't that's, quite get yeah, to that level. Fair. I remember the Bush Kerry election though. And when that was over, I mean, that was the Iraq war was hot and heavy at that time. I mean, people thought we were, they, they started throwing around like national divorce then too. So mm-hmm. I think some of that's been around. I do think there's a far better divide. I think like Charles Murray and the bell curve, it's a controversial book, but um, you know he he talks about this. I, I think it's sort of an, an it's sort of an elite versus ordinary America, mm-hmm. and there has definitely been a huge growth in you know the DCs of the world, the New Yorks of the world, the Los Angeles, huge wealth increase, education increase, opportunity increase. Whereas you know blue collar Americans, you know their their wages have gone down for thirty years. Yeah. That's why they voted for Trump because he championed blue collar workers. He championed mm-hmm. manufacturing in America. Let's not let's not let the global industrialists ship all of our manufacturing jobs overseas to China because they might make one penny more per quarter on their stock price. You know, he actually championed you know the, the sort of mm-hmm. average person that I think in many ways the church should be speaking for. But but that said, um, you know, I do think there are other creative solutions. Before Civil War. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we raised but, me. But, 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 like, like, have you heard of Greater Idaho, for example? I know. Greater, no, okay. Greater Idaho. It's like Chop Chaz. Oh, What's happening? Greater Idaho. Yeah. Greater Idaho is, is an effort to essentially incorporate 15 counties from eastern Washington state into Idaho. And so Why? it redraw the... Because because rural they want the Washington state rules from the other state. Rural Washington has nothing in common with Seattle. It's the same rural oh. elite divide or elite blue collar divide. Um, and so it's it's all over the country, right? Yeah. I mean, you see it everywhere. You see it in, in Houston and Nacogdoches, right? Yeah. So and so um, and Nacogdoches is a university town, so it's actually probably not a good example. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. anyone's but, out right. there listening Lufkin from Nacogdoches, something. Lufkin, <laughs> that's us. Yeah. Die ball. <laughs> so, but I don't know. I, I, I think that I don't think it's going to get there. I actually think that I actually think that if somebody could communicate a kind of vision for America um, that doesn't include saving our country and saving democracy, I think actually most Americans agree on a lot. Um, hmm. And actually, I actually don't. I mean, like, what would be the thing we'd, what would be the one issue we'd fight about? I mean, abortion is the most contentious moral issue. It's the most equivalent to slavery. I, I don't I don't see us fighting a civil war over that. Do you? Mm-mm. I don't know. I just can't imagine it. 
I see um, as fighting a civil war over the role of government leadership through pandemics. Yeah, well, like the vaccine thing. Yeah. That's what a lot of this conversation has been about. Vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. The, how well, much? How much? I, I, I'm how much opti- reach does the government how much have? Reach does yeah. the government have? No, I, 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 actually, I do. I, I agree, but I think that'll die because. So my 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 pithy statement is that I think the vaccine is going to fail before the vaccine, the power behind the governmental control behind using the vaccine will will be able to take effect. So I take some joy in that. I like your optimism. Yeah. I just don't know how to put this in my Evan box. <laughs> I, I just he's not I, always the most optimistic. I think of it, us, I think it's some. I think I mean literally today and yesterday you are seeing you're seeing the the big ups at the CDC. You're seeing Fauci. They're starting to make small concessions. They're starting mm-hmm. to say. Even Biden said, you know, hey, this uh, there's no national solution. Really? Really? That's what you ran on. You said this idiot can't be elected. He can't be trusted to cure COVID. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down COVID. And now he's telling all these governors, hey, yeah, we don't we don't have a solution. You know, you're going to have to figure it out, states. I thought Kenneth Copeland already took care of it. Republican governors, though. Yeah. Which I think is important to like to the Greg Abbott's who've been like, we're good. We're done, y'all. He's saying this is. Yeah, we can. Fair enough. Y'all have to. Do something. But I think it's it's going to be obvious that COVID is I think they're now they're pivoting. They're now starting to say, well, COVID is here to stay. Like we're not like no one's making any grandiose promises about it anymore. Well, yeah, but that was the last stage of the pandemic. Like the pandemic shift to endemic was the entire goal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So like when it becomes something that that has the same level of hospitalization as cold, then like Yeah. Then it like affects a lot of people and we get it and we're fine. And actually and Omicron sped that party up. Yeah. Um That's what but 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 again, two years ago, people were saying this is what's going to happen. Okay, this is how viruses survive. Right. Okay, they they get weaker, but they get more transmissible, and so yeah. that's a good thing. That is how you yeah. get to natural immunity. That is how we've always understood viruses and fought right. them. So why does Novak, just to give an example, why yeah. does one of the greatest uh, tennis players in the, the greatest story? tennis player in the world goes to play in the Australian Open and they imprison him? Yeah, they take his phone away. They take his passport away. He can't not he can't play in the tournament. Forget that. And he's he had COVID, right? That's the story. Yeah, he had COVID. A month yeah. ago, and so and so, and he got permission to show up, and then they take his visa away. I mean, this is insane. That is total insanity. It is total insanity. But also, like you know, especially early on, like people do die of COVID. Yeah, and even if they have comorbidities, yeah. like I think we should I be agree. engaged sure. in like it's probably sad. But people die of all kinds of oh, things. Oh, of course, sure. But should but sh- I would hope we take measures not to like speed that along. Sure, <laughs> yes, sure, sure, if, like, absolutely. If, if no I've got, here, if I've just, got the flu, yeah. like I'm not going to go see Mama. No, of course right? not. Like yeah. I think, oh, for sure. I think that's a lot of the thinking behind this. Yeah, if you listen to like Scott Atlas, okay, yeah. who Trump tried to bring in to kind of counter Fauci. I mean, and people think he's crazy, but he said all of these things. He said, yeah, COVID is dangerous. We should isolate the most at-risk population, make vaccines an option, and have therapeutics, mm-hmm. which have 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 survived the total smear attempts against them. I, when you said therapeutics, it made me think that this idea of civil war – I wonder if we're going to see, we're already seeing a trend of people moving away from some states and to some states because, right, oh, they want sure. like the, the whole totally California booming. to Texas thing. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's a growing trend. And I remember like I had some family that got COVID in a state where they weren't able to get the whole monoclonal antibodies. Yeah. Whereas like here in Texas and in Florida, it was like, you get it, you get it. If you want it, you get it. Um, and so I wonder if that might be the answer is. Maybe not civil war, but a sort of redistribution of people to states. <laughs> Maybe not where... civil war. Well, I will say, okay, just as a small plug, one of the things I started doing because I don't have time to read nearly as much as I would like to is I subscribe to this um, 
one of the newsletters I subscribe to is called The Flip Side. And it gives you headlines and it has a team of writers from the left and writers from the right. And they look at all different com- publications. So they look at mainstream and then they look at the crazy sides on both the right and the left. Mm-hmm. And then they get a bunch of different writers and they have, um, and it's really good. It's really, so I read a lot of these things and I'm like, yeah, you think you're unbiased, but I know, like I can tell. Yeah. Um, this is the first one I've read that I'm like, no, that's a legit. And they, so what they do is they try to present the best mm. arguments. Here's what the left's saying. Here's what the right's saying on each topic. And then like once a month or something, they have um, a special thing called like Ask a Liberal or Ask a Conservative mm-hmm. um, where they, and it's fascinating. Hmm. It's fascinating. So it's a da- it's like a daily inbox thing. If you, the flip cool. com, oh, I think. Cool. Is it a Substack? That is cool. I've got I lots of substacks going. I don't know what that I don't is. Know what that means? Someone sub, used sub, that term recently. Okay. It's it's a it's a. Is that like it's a, a chat room? It's a newsletter service. <laughs> yes. So, so people create. It's like a blog that a goes room. to your inbox. Yes, it is. That is what it is. Okay. A blog. The flip okay. side. You, sub, you subscribe, and it comes to your inbox. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And and by the way, Google Gmail hides them. They hid my, my substacks. They like, put them mm. in a new. They it created a new folder on my email. Yeah. My email app. My Apple email app. <laughs> It created a new folder called Substack, and I'm like, where did that come from? So <laughs> there's 300 emails in there. It's so helpful. They just they so know what you want. They don't want me to read my my right wing propaganda written by oh my gosh. by left wing people like Alex Berenson, who used to write for the New York Times. Interesting. Yeah. Sadly, I don't think we have time to get to reimagining marriage That's or timeless. how families can turn their kids into Christians or. The marriage yeah. one is timeless. Bring that back next time. I shall. I shall. I told you the sorry thing was going to take too much time. But wasn't I mean, it fascinating? They, it had to do with but, sex and but, cultural appropriation. But, but they weren't sorries. They were what? They were the hengas. The hengas. Okay. And now it's the time to tell you if you've never watched an episode of Sex in the City. I probably could have guessed that. Yeah. Evan has. And by the way, you <laughs> are better many. for it. Really? Many. Seriously? Yeah. Is it because your wife watches my, it, or are you my, like a uh, closet? My, my, my roommate in seminary uh, may have owned all the DVDs. Are you kidding me? Owned the DVDs. This is I'll, why you're I'll, like, I'll, actually, I'll, yeah. you know more about Sex in the City than I do. I've, there you I, go, I think, Sex in the I, I City. I didn't watch any of the movies, but I'm pretty sure I saw all the episodes. And I did not understand the thing with <laughs> Mr. Big at all. He was lame. Well, don't he, worry, he's dead now. Chris, I know, I'm glad. Spoiler. Is Chris, is, <gasps> I'm glad. Oh is my Chris, gosh, is Evan. Is Noth some, some heartthrob? I don't well, get it. no, oh. he became that. Like, it's, you know what? Maybe another episode we'll talk about. I'm going to okay. Google this so I know what y'all are talking about. Uh, it was a whole thing with Peloton. Okay. Yeah. Where, where don't do buy a Peloton. Bradley Varnell. Varnell. Did I get it right? Yep. Okay. But you can say it in a southern accent Christ, like he does. Christchurch Cathedral. Christchurch Cathedral in town. We're good Episcopalians. Okay. Yeah. Lovely place. Yeah, yeah. We have four it's different beautiful. denominations represented today. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm at First Lutheran here at flhouston.org, and you're at? Well, it's easier to just find me on Facebook. Okay. Sarah Garment Stone, like garments of righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> How holy. When I was little, I used to love Palm Sunday because they would talk about garments. Um, <laughs> it's my maiden name. What can I say? Anyway. You were the biggest nerd. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm Meredith Mills. I'm at Westminster Methodist in the Galleria area. And everything you need to know. You can find at HoustonTOT.com. Like about life, about love, finances, wow. politics. I'm, I'm joking. Her today. <laughs> Who writes for this? You know. Oh. Do they have a substack? They are we. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Until next time, we encourage you to question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed.